Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of The Bull and the Bear. I'm Money Markets Research Analyst Matt, Matt Clark. Glad uh, glad you're with us as we are each and every time we do a podcast. Just remember, if you do have a stock or sector or uh, any type of feedback that you'd like to give us, you have two options. One, you can email us. That email address is feedback at the, at, uh, or I'm sorry, you can email us at feedback at moneymarkets.com, or you can email us at the bull and bear at moneymarkets.com. You can also comment below on our YouTube channel if you'd like. Uh, we put these uh, up as videos on YouTube as well as putting them out as podcasts. So make sure that, uh, uh, that you do that. And we'd love to see your feedback and uh, any questions that you might have or any comments you might have. We really enjoy seeing that. Uh, I'm going to jump right in today and uh, talk about a particular sector that uh, has done something that it hasn't done since 2016. Uh, we're talking about the communication services sector. And, and since about October, I believe it was 18th or around that date, uh, it was the, the last time this actually ever happened. That was when the sector itself actually beat its parent index, the S&P 500, in returns. In fact, since 2017, the S&P 500 has returned about 10.8% compared to the sector's return of just 8.9%. But if you look at the index's year to date, you'll see the communication sector is now beating the returns of the S&P 500. Sector returns are about 10.8% compared to the S&P's returns of just 5.2%. If you look at the S&P 500 communication services sector spider ETF, which trades on the New York Stock Exchange under XLC, it's an exchange traded fund that basically tracks some of the biggest communications uh, stocks uh, that are out there. It's jumped about 52% since reaching a low back in March of 2020. But then again, whenever you talk about lows, everyone basically hit a low back in March of 2020. Um, it's around 6% above its previous highs set back in January of 2020. The ETF actually reached an even higher high of 65.14 a share back on September 2nd, which is a 62% increase from that March low, but it's paired back uh, just a little bit along with most of the market as well. The ETF holds companies like Facebook, Alphabet, which is the parent company to Google, uh, and T-Mobile US, a popular self-service company. Uh, and, and, and so that's what I want to take a look at today. And I've got three stocks lined out for uh, both uh, our chief investment strategist, Adam O'Dell, and contributor Charles Sizemore. Uh, and myself to all take a look at. And I'll jump right in with the very first one. Uh, this is a company, it's a media technology conglomerate. Uh, it operates in communications, cable networks, broadcast television, uh, and even theme parks, if that makes any sense to you. Uh, part of its offerings include high-speed internet, uh, national cable networks like Telemundo, which is uh, a, a, a Hispanic channel that's, uh, I think, actually based in Miami, uh, as well as NBC. Interestingly enough, they do uh, uh, big screen entertainment through Universal Pictures, and they also own the Philadelphia Flyers of the National Hockey League. So if you're a hockey fan, uh, you might know who we are. They own the arena that the uh, Flyers play in in the city of Philadelphia. It's got a market cap of about uh, $212.2 billion. Its share price has jumped from a low of about $32 on April 1st to a current price of around $48, uh, an increase of about 47%. The company that we're talking about uh, first is Comcast Corporation, uh, trades on the NASDAQ as CMCSA. So it's a, one of those five letter uh, uh, NASDAQ symbols. And, and I'll first start with uh, Money Markets contributor Charles Sizemore. Charles, first welcome. And uh, what are your thoughts on Comcast? 
Yeah, I, I like Comcast. Um, it, it's not an exciting company per se. It, it's essentially a utility, uh, but it does have some some interesting uh, aspects at the moment. One is uh, a lot of their business lines got crushed by COVID nineteen. You know, theme parks, movies, uh, sports. You know, all of that really I mean, just took a punch to the face uh, when we shut the economy down, and it's been very very slow to recover. But the worst is behind it at this point. Um, I think it, it's safe to say no matter what happens, uh, you know, if, if there's a vaccine, if there's not a vaccine, uh, what, whatever happens, life is getting back to normal little by little. We're not going to have another year in which people are, like social distancing is breaking down little by little. I mean, it's, it's we're getting back to normal. So the, the, the aspects of uh, or the, aspects is probably the wrong word, but just the, the parts of Comcast business that were really, you know, beaten up, uh, they, they're looking healthier. You know, they are, they are, they've bottomed out and they're on the road to recovery. Uh, meanwhile, the sort of the core businesses, uh, broadband ha has really proven to be, you know, that's actually done really well with, with people at home more. They, they've upgraded, they've, they've you know, they, they, that's become it's become more important than ever to have good high speed internet in your home. I don't really see that going in reverse. So while I see their beaten up businesses starting to recover, I don't see that their stable businesses are going to be materially affected to the downside. So it's, it's everything's sort of firing on all cylinders right now. Um, again, not a wildly exciting stock. You're not going to get rich quick in this one. But if you're looking for something to just sort of anchor your portfolio, this, this is, this is a decent stock for sure. Okay, and, and I, I do, I, I agree, I, I do like it, uh, and I'll get more into that a little bit later, but for, next I want to turn to uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, and uh, Adam, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about Comcast. Yeah, I'm pretty much with Charles on Comcast. Um, it's not going to be a, a high flyer, but it is a steady eddy uh, pick. It's a good solid pick. Um, it does rate an 81 out of 100 in my green zone six-factor ranking model. Uh, it's basically solid scores uh, all across the board, kind of 80s and for volatility would be in low volatility uh, value is still a pretty good value. It's actually the most the best value of the three stocks we'll talk about today. Uh, high quality, uh, pretty strong growth. Its momentum isn't quite as uh, strong as the next stock we'll talk about. Uh, just because it's not quite as in vogue. But I think that we could be on the verge of a bullish breakout. You talked about XLC, the communication services uh, spider ETF as a whole. Um, and that chart pattern, the way I see it is, it's kind of made a bullish breakout, as you mentioned recently, above those January highs. And then the most recent pullback with the broad market is, is pretty much a, a standard uh, or classic retest of that breakout level. So, you know, I think that if we can find a footing over the next week or two, uh, in the communication sector and the broad market as a whole, I think that we can see kind of Comcast uh, break out to new highs. Right now, Comcast is trading around 46, just under $47. Um, that breakout level is about $48, so just about another 2% higher. And uh, we'll see, uh, you know, likely a, a potential bullish breakout of Comcast shares. And I think that if it breaks that 48 level, you, you want to be a buyer. Um, you know, we talked about FPNL or I guess Next Era Energy last week. Uh, how it's kind of uh, easy to hate the utilities companies. I'm definitely in the same camp with Comcast. Uh, you know, I've been a Comcast subscriber or customer for, for years. Actually, when we moved to Miami Beach, um, I went to go change our service address with Comcast, and they said, we don't service that area. And I've been in South Florida for like 15 years and have always had Comcast. So it was kind of like this weird uh, feeling where I was like, wow, I finally get to be free of Comcast. But uh, it was also a little bit uh, anxiety-producing because I was like, well, who else, who else provides internet other than Comcast in my area? So 
Um, you know, I think Comcast is one of those um, stocks where it's going to be steady for its income as far as the broadband and the cable and even the mobile services. But it's kind of interesting because it does have, as Charles alluded to, some upside potential in its uh, theme parks and its uh, entertainment business and its um, sports uh, exposure as well. So I kind of view the stock as, as you know, when you buy like uh, when you buy some investments like like SPACs, you get you get shares of the stock and then also warrants, which are more, work more or less like options, so that um, you kind of get more bang for your buck if you do get a good increase in, in those. Uh, share prices. So I kind of view Comcast's business like that. Uh, it's going to earn steady eddy revenue from those monthly uh, broadband subscriptions. And then it has some upside so that when sports and when theme parks come back post COVID, I think you'll get more of a pop there. So, but I mean, you can't, I mean, it's a huge company. It's like $204 billion market cap. And, uh, you know, over the last 12 months, it's, it's generated like $12 billion in, in net income. So it's just a cash cow. And I think above $48, you definitely want to be a buyer. And I agree. I, I like the stock. I really like its diversity, especially when you mentioned the theme parks, you mentioned the sports angle uh, as well. So it's not just locked into that one, just the cable industry or the broadband industry. It, it's a very diverse company. And I really like that about Comcast. Um, I, I, you know, again, yeah, it's one of those stocks that's not going to give you uh, those massive breakout returns that, you know, you can, you can really tout, but it is going to be a kind of a steady grower over the course of time. So um, I, I, I like it for that reason. I think it's, uh, it, it, you could certainly uh, do a lot worse than Comcast in the communications uh, services uh, sector if you wanted to. So I think Comcast yeah, is a good buy. I agree. I think $48 is when you probably want to be a buyer at that point because um, we're just not really sure how that test is going to go. But uh, so I think, I think all three of us agree that Comcast is, is a buy. Um, the, the, the next stock I want to talk about is one of those that, you know, when I mention it and I tell you what it is, you're really going to wonder why is it even in this sector? In fact, Charles even made a note of it whenever we, uh, uh, before we got on, on, on air and started recording. It's, it's a company that's really made its name in the video game market by developing games for both consoles and personal computers. Some of its more popular games include Call of Duty, the Call of Duty franchise, as, as a lot of people are probably well aware of, or at least your kids are well aware of. Um, Overwatch, another one that your kids are probably more well aware, very well aware of. One that more adults are aware of, Candy Crush. That's where this company uh, made, made uh, some big impact. And, and its longstanding product has been World of Warcraft, which is a very popular PC game. In fact, I'm kind of playing that with my kids right now, so it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Not necessarily as fast as they are when it comes to video games, but uh, um, the company has a market cap of about $63 billion. Its share price reached a low of about $51.71 back in March. It's climbed uh, to around $81, so it's jumped about uh, 57% uh, since reaching those lows. And the company that uh, we're talking about here is Activision, Activision Blizzard Incorporated, rather, traded on the NASDAQ under the ticker ATVI. Uh, so it's very interesting, uh, you know, stock to have in this sector, because when you think communication services, Comcast obviously fits that bell. But you kind of wonder, where does Activision Blizzard really fit in? But it's actually one of the better performers in the XLC uh, ETF at this point. So it's just a very interesting pick. So Charles, I'll start with you. Um, your thoughts on Activision Blizzard and uh, how is your World of Warcraft game, by the way? Well, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking very deeply about how this is a communication stock, and I finally figured it out. So my kids don't play Call of Duty. They play uh, Fortnite, which is not an Activision Blizzard uh, property, but it's uh, whatever. It's all the same thing. Shoot them up. And uh, they play with their friends, and they just scream at each other all day. They put their little headphones on, and they just scream. 
And I can tell if, if they're playing with their, their American friends or their, their friends from South America because the language will, will, will change. They'll be screaming at each other in English. They'll be screaming at each other in Spanish. Um, I, you know, if they have you know, friends in China, they'll be screaming at each other in Mandarin, I'm sure. I, I, I don't know. But uh, it's just uh, that's why it's communication. It, it facilitates uh, young children screaming at each other over the Internet. So, um, yeah, you know, there we go. Uh, looking at the stock, um, I, I, I would say I'm mildly bullish on it. Yeah, they really had a, a great tailwind um, from, from the coronavirus lockdowns. With, with all of us locked indoors, wasn't a lot to do. So, uh, you know, video games became a, a nice time waster. I, I do, you know, that, that tailwind will sort of die off a little bit. But, and then I'm also somewhat concerned about, you know, all of their gaming titles are somewhat, you know, there's not a lot of new blood there. You know, these are older games. Um, if we know what the games are, you know they're old because we're old and we're not exactly up on uh, like the latest video games. But uh, I, would, I would call this one um, a mild buy, kind of a, I, I, I would be a buyer. I would not be, you know, a massively enthusiastic buyer. Now you mentioned that you know, the games are old and I think there's something to that because if you look at something like the Call of Duty franchise, and again, I'm not a gamer, my, my kids are, uh, you know, obviously Charles's kids are. Um, and, and the thing is, is that there's a lot of brand familiarity with these, with these types of games. So whenever a new Call of Duty comes out, I think they have a lot of repeat customers because there's a lot of the, the Call of Duty you know, 2.0 that want to get the Call of Duty 3.0. Uh, whatever the title may happen to be or whatever the setting may be. And I think the same works for World of Warcraft. There's a constant, there's a constant updating of maps and things like that. I'm, I'm learning all well, the, the economics are similar to movies, you know, the same way that a successful movie franchise can have sequel after sequel after sequel. I just look at the Marvel comic book movies for crying out loud. How many were there? Like 25 in a row. And they're all like a continuation of a theme and, and they just keep making more. Um, I, it, it's video games can be the same way. And it's, in fact, I, I had a, a chat with somebody, that, an adult gamer, which not all adult gamers are people that sit in their basement with no social skills. Some of them are normal, I promise. Uh, anyway, he, he was telling me that, that that's actually by design. The video game uh, makers actually studied the, the economics of, of the movie business and, and you know, the franchise concept of sequel after sequel after sequel. And they copied it and uh, to, to good effect. You know, they've done well with it. And I think that's, that's, that, that bodes well for, I think, a company like Activision Blizzard because of the popularity of their titles like Call of Duty, Overwatch, World of Warcraft, things like that. When they come out with these, with these new titles that are basically branded under the same like Call of Duty or whatever, then they, they, they know they have an immediate audience that they're going to, uh, they're going to sell to. Um, let, me, let me switch over to Adam O'Dell. Um, Adam, probably one of the best gamers uh, in the group at Money Markets. I, I don't know that. I'm really just making that up. I have no idea. Um, but, but Adam, your thoughts on Activision Blizzard? Yeah, I don't play uh, video games. My game is the stock market and don't take offense to that, uh, serious investors. I, I don't view the stock market as a game, but it's certainly a puzzle that I, I play many, 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 many hours a day. So I don't really have time for the, the, uh, other type of games. Um, but it's certainly, I mean, it's a high growth industry, double digit growth industry. Uh, it did, as Charles mentioned, get a real tailwind, uh, kind of a buzz as a, as a, you know, staying at home and, and, and during the COVID type of play. So um, personally, I think that the stock is kind of like a wait and see for me. Uh, I think it's a strong company. I think they've got a good brand. Uh, it rates highly on my uh, overall six-factor stock ranking model uh, as an 85 out of 
100. So it gets high scores on quality. I mean, I think that the quality score is really bumped up. It's a 94 out of 100 based on its, uh, its margins. So Activision has like a 26% uh, net profit margin, which is rather large. Uh, growth and, and low volatility is there, although it had quite a, quite a drawdown. It's kind of screamed back. It's not a good value at current prices. Uh, it does have momentum, so it actually scores pretty well, but I think uh, I'm a little bit worried about the stock's pattern. It's kind of over the last uh, two months or so created a pattern of lower highs and lower lows. So I think that uh, if, certainly if the broad market pullback that we're in now extends any more, um, and even if it doesn't, I can see Activision pulling back even more than it is right now at, at about $80 a share. Um, the 200-day moving average is just under $70, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a pullback uh, around to that level. Uh, so I would be kind of a wait and see buyer, uh, see if there's a little bit more price movement downward in this pullback, uh, and then wait for some confirmation that we're getting another break higher before I would buy. Ultimately, it's a good company, probably a good long-term play, but I wouldn't necessarily buy into today. And, and I'm kind of the same way. I, I look at this because I see how Activision Blizzard, how they, you know, maintain their their sales by by just you know kicking out these new titles that are under the same franchise. They do it very well. That means their development costs for these new games are probably relatively low because they already have kind of a baseline establishment with Call of Duty and with World of Warcraft and things like that. Um, but I think Charles brought this up. I'm just really concerned about how long this video game pop is going to last uh, in terms of, you know, the bouncing out from coronavirus. Um, you know, as things get back to normal, you know, uh, that I think it's going to go back to normal. So uh, I, I would probably hold off on this uh, a little bit. I think it's, I, I think I agree with Adam. I think it's going to fall uh, a little bit more. I don't think it's the time to get in now, uh, perhaps over the long term maybe, but as of right now, uh, this one is, is, is hold off uh, for the time being and just kind of maybe watch it, but don't buy it. Kind of a kind of a thing. So, um, moving on to our, our third and final company. Now, this one clearly defines communications in in, in in the broad sense. This is a social media giant. Allows conversation in real time. Uh, it work. It's international. Uh, it's got a mobile app that helps users broadcast and watch videos together. Um, which uh, obviously, if you know about the whole video game, the video rather segment in social media, you know TikTok has made a lot of big news lately. Uh, this is not really quite the same. Uh, these are more longer form videos. The company has a market cap of about $31 billion. Its share price was a low of $22 a share back in March. It's reached about $43 uh, at the 1st of September. It's paired those gains back and is now trading at around $40 a share, give or take, but still an 82% jump from that March low. Uh, the company here, our third and final company today, is Twitter Incorporated. It trades on the New York Stock Exchange under TWTR, Twitter Incorporated. And I'll first throw it to Charles. And Charles, uh, your thoughts on Twitter? This is a really good case study for me because um, to invest well, you really have to be objective. You cannot let your feelings or your emotions uh, affect you. I can't separate my feelings from, from this company. It, 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 the fact is, I, I just, I really hate Twitter. <laughs> I, I honestly just hate the company. The concept of it or the stock? Do what now? The concept of it or the stock? I, in my, like, little mind here, uh, my very small, simple mind, I sort of blame Twitter for blowing up the world, for kind of creating this culture of hostility we're in, just the echo chamber effect where the right wing nut jobs and the left wing nut jobs all kind of get in their little cocoons and just feed on each other. I, I really kind of feel like this, you know, if you've ever watched the Netflix series, Black Mirror, this is like Black Mirror come to life. So for me, it's very hard to just objectively look at the numbers. It's sort of like um, you know people that won't invest in tobacco stocks because well tobacco kills people. 
I feel like Twitter killed the world. So uh, for me, I'm going to be a pass on this one because realistically, I can't be objective. I, it's, it's just I get too emotional about it. And that's when you make mistakes. So for me, for reasons that have little to do with the stock itself, I mean, the stock has actually been on fire lately. Uh, I, I am a hard pass on this one. Okay. Uh, it's an interesting take in terms of the emotions of it. And I think, you know, I think you're right in, 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 in part. Uh, I think there's many other contributing factors as to the, 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 the discourse that we are in the middle of society-wise in, in the U.S. Twitter's part of it. Um, but, uh, well, I, I should be clear that this is me, this is me being emotional. Like I'm recognizing my own emotional shortcomings on this. And that's why I have to back, back off. When you trade with your emotions, you, you usually, you usually don't do well. That's, that's very true. That, that, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, Adam, what, what do you think about Twitter? So I'm also a hard pass on Twitter, but for different reasons. Um, first of all, in my six factor ranking model it scores very, very poorly. Uh, 22 out of 100, so you could basically uh, you know, pull out of a hat, and eight times out of 10, you're gonna find a, a better stock than Twitter. Uh, it rates poorly on size, because it's a large company at $31 billion. It rates uh, the next lowest on value, uh, 13 out of 100. That's largely because Twitter is barely making money ever. Um, they, over the last 12 months, have lost at $1.2 billion. So it's not a consistent moneymaker at all. They have some profitable quarters, but not consistent profitability. Um, it's one of those, you know, internet digital companies where, you know, users and, and the user growth and the active users are more interesting metrics uh, in the beginning. And the idea is that the revenue will come down the road. But Twitter's been around for, you know, it's, it's traded as a stock for well over six years now. It's trading less than where it was uh, at the very beginning of its trading. So for me, it's just a hard pass because I don't see it making money consistently. I see it as a popular platform, but I just don't see that, that revenue or earnings generation. Uh, it rates very lowly on my um, six-factor ranking model. You know, one thing I'll mention is, so it's a hard pass for me, but it's interesting. I'm thinking about this in real time because I've never thought about it this way, but you know, Charles is kind of dogging on himself for having a, an emotional bias for a company. I think it's actually, now that I think about it uh, on the spot, I think it's less damaging to have a hate and emotional uh, you know, dislike for a company and to therefore not allow yourself to invest in that company and perhaps miss out on the, the gains of that stock you know, because you couldn't get into it for whatever reason, whether it be uh, morals or just a general dislike for their, their business. Um, I think that's less damaging actually than the opposite scenario where an investor falls in love with a company, is willing to buy the stock at any price and is willing to hold that stock even as new information comes online that shows that you should probably get out of that stock. Um, you know, when you fall in love with a company and you can't sell it at your stop loss or you can't ever sell it and you write it all the way down to zero if that happens, that's a much more damaging uh, emotional bias than if you just hate a stock and avoid it. Because, you know, Charles may be avoiding Twitter, but I'm sure he's investing in other companies where he can make uh, good gains. So I see that as, uh, you know, he's, he's being hard on himself, but now that I think about it, I think that's a less damaging emotional bias than falling in love with the company and not being willing to exit it uh, when the price proves you wrong. So just a, just a interesting thought that he had me, had me have today. That, that oh, that, that, that's, that's good. Yeah. You know, the, uh, you know, the stock market will never love you back. <laughs> you can love a stock, but it's, it's always a one way, you know, unrequited love here. Like it's never going to love you back. So that, that is always something to remember. I guess it's an interesting take in terms of a, of a love hate of a love or hate relationship with a company and using that as a, as a as a basis for buying and holding or selling or whatever. I think it's a very interesting take, Adam. I think that's 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 good for um, our, our listeners and, and viewers to to understand that. I I, I agree with that. 
As for me, Twitter is a pass. Uh, again, I, I like the platform. If I had to choose a, a social media platform to, to, to stick with, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I would say Twitter would be my, my, my platform use, uh, my choice to use. Um, I don't like the stock. Uh, the financials aren't there. The, the, the charts don't. Uh, don't look good for for Twitter. I, I think uh, I think getting uh, uh, initially mentioned as part of TikTok and then and then backing out of it kind of hurt. Uh, and and it, its figures just aren't there. I'm trying to understand how a company like this with such a massive reach can't seem to turn a profit. It has not quite factored that into its model yet. I, I still don't understand that, and I don't know that even Jack Dorsey knows why that is just yet or a way to correct it. So uh, I, I would pass on Twitter. So just kind of recap. Uh, Comcast, I think we're all pretty pretty bullish on, on Comcast. See a lot of good things uh, with it uh, in, in terms of Activision Blizzard. Uh, it seems like more of a wait and see type of approach for the three of us um, on, on that front. And then Twitter is a, a, a definite no-go, uh, a definite pass. So uh, that's uh, that's going to about to wrap it up for this uh, episode of The Bull and the Bear. Uh, and I just want to remind everyone to make sure that you are subscribed, whether you're listening to us on a podcast channel like uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, soon to be Amazon, whatever that happens to be, make sure you're subscribed to us. Leave us a comment on any of those platforms. We'd love to see what you have to say. You can also watch these on YouTube. Go to youtube.com, type in Money and Markets. We'll have the, the green logo. You'll be able to see us there. In fact, our logo is actually a bull and a bear. It's kind of, kind of catchy that way. Uh, uh, and uh, just click there, make sure you subscribe. Uh, after you subscribe, you'll see a, like a bell come up that we, you, you can be notified. Click that and you'll be able to get our videos uh, ahead of time before we actually release them on moneyandmarkets.com. Also, most of our videos are, are premiered, uh, so whenever we are about ready to release a video, you can actually set a reminder to yourself uh, to, to be reminded whenever that video comes on live. Uh, so make sure you do all that and you get all that information ahead of time. It's great if you are looking to make decisions based on what we talk about. You want to make those more instantaneous instead of waiting a day until it comes out. Uh, you can certainly do that. Again, we love feedback as well. You can email us at thebullandbear at moneymarkets.com. And, uh, you know, drop us a comment anywhere. We'd love to hear what you have to say uh, and, and uh, would love to get your feedback on, on uh, anything that we've talked about. Particular sector you want, maybe a stock you'd like us to talk about. We'd love to do that for you. We can do that with relative ease and give you our insights as well. So for uh, Charles Sizemore, contributor for Money and Markets, as well as Money and Markets Chief Investment Strategist, I am Money and Markets, this is a mouthful, uh, Money and Markets Research Analyst, Matt Clark. And I hope everyone has a great weekend, a great start to the next trading week. And until next time, everyone, safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you. 